We pray, dear Lord, you have sent your word to us this morning to, to warm our hearts and to lighten our path before us. Please bless our study of your word. Send your Holy Spirit to each and every one of us to build up our faith and our trust and our confidence in you and also to equip us for whatever we may face this coming week and to equip us to, to live for you throughout our life in this world. Please bless, Lord, our sermon time today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Jesus, have you ever listened to a motivational speaker? I'm kind of curious about this. I thought I'd take a poll. Could you actually raise your hand and just tell me, have you ever gone to listen to a motivational speaker? Put your hands up. I know, so you just watch them on YouTube, right? That's really, that's how you watch motivational speakers. But, so this week I was like exploring who are the different motivational speakers that are popular. And here's what I learned. Apparently, number one, no doubt, no question, is this guy. It's not Joel Osteen, even though it looks like him in similar teeth. Uh, who is this guy? Does anybody know? Tony Robbins, someone said it. So apparently this Tony Robbins is super famous. He's like unquestionably the number one uh, motivational speaker in the world. He's been giving speeches for more than 40 years, and he's written some great books that are very, I, I guess I can't say they're great because I didn't read them, but they're very popular. The books have names like Unlimited Power and Awaken the Giant Within. And you can even tell from those titles kind of what he does, is he inspires people to dig inside of themselves and become the best person they can be. Here's another famous motivational speaker. Do you know who this is? This is a gentleman named Les Brown. And here are a couple of his quotes that maybe give you a flavor of his motivation. He says, shoot for the moon, because even if you miss, you'll still land among the stars. He says, most people fail in life not because they aim too high and miss, but because they aim too low and hit. He also says, if you set goals and go after them with all the determination you can muster, your gifts will take you to places that will amaze even you. That's pretty motivational. That's pretty good. You might recognize this final motivational speaker. I think she probably transcends the category of just motivational speaker. Uh, this is arguably the most powerful woman in the world. Um, I think you could argue that. This is, of course, Oprah Winfrey. You think about it, as a black woman born in the 1950s in rural Mississippi, there were all kinds of obstacles that Oprah faced right from the very start. But she overcame those obstacles, and she went on to have an incredibly successful career. Of course, one of the most famous women in the world, but also a very popular motivational speaker because she encourages other people that they can overcome the obstacles that they may face, whatever those may be, and reach their true potential. And there's many more. But why is it, do you think, that motivational speakers like this are so popular? Well, maybe it's for a lot of reasons, but is it, is it, is it not in part because they are real people just like you. And they're facing real challenges just like you. In some cases, they're facing way greater challenges than you or I would ever face. One of the, I, I could only limit it to three, but one of the other uh, people that I read about was a man named Nick, and I can't pronounce his last name, but he was born with no arms or legs. And he's one of the most famous motivational speakers in the world. He's had a very successful life. He's overcome those obstacles. He gives amazing speeches. And 
he's a human being just like you and he overcame these significant disabilities and you'd say, man, if he can do it, I can do it. <laughs> these people like me made it through some significant challenges, I can make it through my challenges. And so you listen to people like you talking about overcoming obstacles and you are motivated and inspired to get back out there and, and be the best you that you can be. There's a reason why motivational speakers are so popular. So this morning, I want to introduce you to one more motivational speaker. And this one is my friend, Jesus. Here is why he's so motivating and so inspiring. He came into a hate-filled world, and he lived a life of love. He came into a pretty godless world, and he lived a life where he was connecting to God every day. He came into a selfish world, and he laid down his own life for the good of others. Jesus was a real person just like you. He faced real challenges just like you, and yet he was able to overcome those challenges and succeed. And so as you look at Jesus' life and as you hear his teachings, you should realize, if he did it, I can do it. I can do it too. Because after all, this is Jesus' whole purpose, is to motivate you and inspire you to become the best possible version of yourself. You guys are looking at me funny. Uh, what do you think about that kind of a Jesus? Why don't we call him the motivational speaker, Jesus? What do you think about a Jesus like that? I mean, at first, maybe he sounds pretty appealing because, like we said, everybody wants to improve. Everybody's looking for motivation, uh, especially in the New Year. Have you made any New Year's resolutions in 2024? Have you broken them yet? Yeah, I think that, like... All of us, we kind of have two different lives, right? We have the life that we're actually living, let's call it life A, and then we have the life that we want to be living, where we eliminate bad habits, we make the best use of our time, we're really kind and loving to everybody else, let's call that life B. And I think as human beings, we are constantly trying to improve ourselves so that we can move from life A to life B, so we can be who we want to be. And it's such hard work that we need all the help we can get. We need all the motivation we can get. So why not turn to motivational speaker Jesus for a little bit of inspiration? Well, here would be one reason why not. Because motivational speaker Jesus does not exist. He's not the real Jesus. Motivational speaker Jesus is not even close to the real Jesus. He's just the next in a long line of counterfeit Jesuses that are very popular today. Fitting in with our sermon series, right? And so the goal of our sermon today is not only to show that motivational speaker Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible, but it is also to show that the real Jesus is way, way better. All right, so where should we start with this topic of motivation and Jesus? Why don't we go back for a minute to the idea of New Year's resolution? Sometimes they don't turn out like we planned. So, like, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, let's imagine that you made a New Year's resolution, and your New Year's resolution was that you were going to work out all the time and get really strong and fit in 2024. Now we're a month in, 
and like the weather has been bad and your kids have been sick and work has been busy and for all these different reasons, <coughs> excuses, reasons, um, you haven't exercised hardly at all. You're a month into the year and you're already off your New Year's resolution. Or maybe let's say you've made a New Year's resolution, you're going to read one book per week in 2024. But because of your kids being sick and the weather and work and just reasons, you're already two books behind one month into the year. Now, how does it feel when you fail on your New Year's resolution? It's frustrating. But this is exactly where like a motivational speaker would come in on reading or exercise or any of these topics. They would remind you to not give up because it's still possible. You just need to start over. Maybe frame your goals a little bit differently. Maybe set up some habits a little bit differently. But it's still possible. It's still attainable. You can start reading the book every week. It's right there. You can do this. You can do it. Do you think the same thing is true for spiritual New Year's resolutions? So let's just say, hypothetically speaking, let's say that you had a certain sin that you just struggled with in 2023. You're struggling with it all year long, struggling with this sin, and so you have resolved that you're going to stop committing that sin and you're not going to do that anymore. Or, let's say in a more general way, you're working on your big resolution, your big goal, which is to be a good person, to, to let your light shine, to be a positive influence in the world, to glorify God in all that you do. Those are good goals. But now, what if you look back one month into the new year and you realize you've already fallen short of those goals? Not only have you slid back into that one persistent sin, but you've fallen into many, many other sins and you've not done some of the good stuff that you really wish you could do. How does it feel when you fall short on your spiritual resolutions? Well, it's frustrating. So you go back, you start over, different goals, different habits, and you fail again. So you go back, start over, different goals, different habits, and you fail again. And doubt starts to creep in. And you start to ask yourself, is it possible? Is it attainable? Not just to get rid of that one specific sin, but is it possible to be a good person and let your light shine and live a good life and glorify God in all that you do? Is it possible? The Apostle Paul says, no. You can hear his frustration in those words from Romans 7, which are our sermon text today. Here were some of the things he said. I do not understand what I do. What I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. I have a desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. And remember who's writing these words. This is the Apostle Paul. Remember his story? He used to be a persecutor of Christians until God appeared to him on the road and called him into Christianity. And then Paul became like the lead missionary planting all these churches across the world. And Paul became a, a famous writer. He wrote half of the New Testament. He's one of the key leaders of a Christian church. And you would think if there was a person living a good life, glorifying God, letting their light shine in all they do, surely it would be the Apostle Paul. And yet Paul is frustrated. 
at his uh, inability to live a God-pleasing life. And Paul says it's not just a problem of laziness or bad habits or lack of willpower. It's a problem with his heart. He says, I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but there is another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin. What a wretched man I am. No matter how hard Paul worked to serve God, all of his hard work was constantly getting sabotaged. It was constantly being undone by his sinful nature on the inside. And no motivational speaker was going to be able to solve this problem. Harder work was not going to be able to remove that rock at the bottom of his heart. It wasn't possible. It wasn't attainable. He couldn't do it. And neither can you. That's not very motivating, is it? (laughs) You can't do it. And I can't do it. That's not very motivating. But it's the truth. All of us were born with this same sinful nature that Paul had. In the next chapter, Paul talks more about it. He says, our sinful mind is hostile to God's law. Not only does it not submit to God's law, but our sinful mind cannot even do so. Our sinfulness makes it difficult to remove even one sinful habit from our life. And it makes it absolutely impossible for us to live a life that is 100% God-pleasing. We can't do it. So this is the point where maybe we begin to realize Jesus is different from Tony Robbins or Les Brown or Oprah Winfrey. Because Jesus is not just a person like us. Jesus is also the Son of God. And he had no sinful nature. He was perfect. His life is not an apples-to-apples comparison to ours. His circumstances were different from ours. And that means you and I cannot do what Jesus did. We can't do what Jesus did. If that's true, which it is, it really changes things, doesn't it? Under these circumstances where we can't ever possibly do what Jesus did, what would it be like if he came to us as a motivational speaker and said, dig deeper, try harder, different habits, different goals, you've got it. If Jesus just tried to continually motivate us to do something that it is fundamentally impossible for us to do, that would be crushing. Jesus, as a motivational speaker, is crushing. But thankfully, motivational speaker Jesus does not exist, and this is not the way that Jesus talked, was, you got this, pull yourself up, work harder, you can do it. No, instead, these are some quotes of the types of things that Jesus actually said. He said, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So what do we learn from these quotes and from the rest of Jesus' teaching in the Bible? It's that Jesus didn't come into the world to just be a motivational speaker. He came to be our Savior. Jesus does not come to just encourage us that if we dig down really deep, we can become the best possible version of ourselves. Instead, Jesus came to the world and he was the perfect 
possible version of a human being. He conquered every single sin and lived a life of absolute perfection, and then he gave it to us on the cross. And he gave it to you in your baptism. He poured it over you and covered you with it in your baptism. And so as a result, despite your sinful nature and my sinful nature, and our limited success to eliminate any sin from our life through Jesus, God already considered us to be his perfect children. In Jesus, God says, you're perfect. And that's because Jesus didn't come to just be your motivational speaker. He came to earth to be your Savior and my Savior. And Paul knew that too. And that's why after writing such frustrated words about his own sinful nature, he does not end on a note of despair. He ends on a note of powerful hope. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Well, thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul knew that all of his inconsistencies, all of his failures, all of his sins had been covered by the perfect life of Jesus. And brothers and sisters, yours are too. So this morning, I just want you to take a minute. I think we said this a couple weeks ago. Like, we say these things, we think about these things, but take these things and give them to yourself. Think about your life. And maybe you have a sin that you've struggled and fought really hard against and you got to the point where you removed it from your life and you stopped acting that way, you stopped doing that thing, you stopped thinking like that, you conquered it, you thought, and then it came back. You fell back into your sin and you felt like all your hard work has been wasted and you're back to square one. Are you even supposed to try anymore? Well, this is what God says to you in his word. In God's book, that sin has never happened, not even once. In God's book, you never fell into that temptation, not even a single time. In God's book, you resisted it every time it came up. And that's because Jesus' life counts as yours in God's book. He is not just your motivational speaker. He is your actual Savior. His perfect life is now your perfect life. That means then, in the long term, you have nothing to be afraid of from God. This is Romans chapter 7. The next chapter is probably the most comforting chapter in the whole Bible. It's Romans chapter 8. And it starts off with this verse. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for Paul, despite all the sins he struggled with, and no condemnation for you. Zero. On the cross, Jesus took the condemnation in your place so that now you are forgiven and freed and in God's book, you are perfect. So now what? Now what? Do you recognize these, uh, these posters? Have you ever seen posters like these? Uh, these were super popular, especially in the 80s and 90s in businesses all over the world. Uh, I looked it up, and these posters were made by a company called Successories. It's a good name. And uh, th these posters, maybe you can't read them, so they said things like this. Excellence. Some excel because they are destined to. Most excel because they are determined to. The other poster says, Commitment. The road to success is long and arduous. It takes unwavering commitment and a will to succeed 
in order to complete the journey. What's the goal of these posters? Why would you put them up in businesses? What's well, to inspire employees to do the best job that they possibly can? So these were super popular, beautiful landscapes, the one big word and then a short little description. <coughs> you kind of see these everywhere. Uh, you'd see them in locker rooms, they had sports ones, all over the place. Well, after a few decades of constantly seeing these posters everywhere, some smart aleck started a competing line of posters. He called them uh, demotivational posters. And I think these have maybe become more popular in the long run, demotivational posters that are sort of making fun of the whole thing. Maybe you've seen some of these. Procrastination. Hard work often pays off over time, but laziness always pays off now. Practicality. The surest way to avoid failure is to avoid trying in the first place. Despair. It's always darkest just before it gets pitch black. <laughs> so, and there's hundreds of them, and they're hilarious. So these, uh, these snarky, demotivational posters, I think, have become way more popular than, than the original ones. So, so here's my question. If we are all cursed with this sinful nature, we've got rock at the bottom of our hearts, we're never going to be as good as Jesus was, is this kind of where we're left as Christians, where we're just completely demotivated? We have no desire to serve God at all. Why should we even try? It's not going to work. Is that our headspace as Christians? Thankfully, no. Because when God the Holy Spirit planted faith in our hearts, he also planted something else. What he planted was a new nature, a new self. We talk about this all the time in Bible Basics class, uh, but as Christians, we kind of have this split identity. We have an old self. We've also got a new self. And there's no question which one is the real you. And even as Paul complains so much about his sin in Romans chapter 7, he knows that's not the real Paul because there's a new Paul God has put into his heart. And Paul writes about that in another letter. He encourages Christians, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and put on that new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. Be who you are, Paul says. Put on your new self. Live out your baptized identity as a child of God. No, you won't do it perfectly. No, you are not going to do it as good as Jesus. No, you are not going to eliminate every single sin from your life. But God in his grace will give you victories day by day, over one sin at a time. And as you approach those sins in your life, here is the main point. Because of your perfect Savior Jesus, you don't have to be crushed by your failures. You already have perfect salvation in Christ, and so instead, you can simply rejoice with each and every success over a sin that God gives you. And he will give you those successes one at a time because he loves you. But in the end, what a blessing and what a relief that Jesus isn't just another motivational speaker. He is something far better than that. He is our Savior. And that simple fact turns Christian living from what would have been a painful, frustrating slog into a joyful labor of love. Thank God for the real Jesus. Amen.
And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep our hearts and our minds through faith in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Amen.